Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Great to see you. We are concluding our One People series this weekend, and we are going to be thinking about uh, One People and uh, a mission, I was almost going to say Mission Impossible. Tom Cruise just popped into my head just then. And if, that's, if that just happened for you ladies, then get him out of your head right now. But Mission Possible is what we're going to be talking about this weekend. Let's jump straight in. Matthew 28 and verse 16. Matthew 28:16. Then the, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, Pastor Scott was saying we, we had a fantastic volunteer uh, evening here on Friday night. Can you imagine the incongruity of uh, an English guy at a fiesta wearing a sombrero? How many know there's something, there's something kind of wrong with that? We had a we had a fun time. Is it the piñata? Is that, is that right? Uh, we had the piñata, which is uh, it's kind of great. You blindfold people and they club an animal to death. <laughs> and the first person to disembowel it gets rewarded with candy. It's, uh, it's great family entertainment. And um, a few people uh, were reminding me of my terrible pronunciation when it came to Mexican food. When I first came here, I would go to a Mexican restaurant and sadly would order enchiladas. <laughs> I'll take a taco, please, and some of those nacho chips on the side. <laughs> I was trying to get it so right, but I was getting it so wrong. When it comes to the Great Commission, it seems to me that throughout history, the church has often tried to get it so right, but often has got it so wrong. Medieval kings used these words that I have read to you this morning to fuel the terrible crusades. The conquistadors justified their forced conversion of the natives of South America by using these words. The modern missionary movement of the 18th and 19th centuries that was so characterized by great heroic sacrifice, but sadly there were tinges of Western imperialism too, as British culture was exported alongside the gospel. And so often we try to get it right, but we get it wrong. It still happens. This week I was depressed by watching the television documentary called Fallen from Grace. Fallen from Grace is the story of that so-called Baptist church in Topeka, Kansas, where they believe that they are on a mission from God to rant at the world, to announce to America that God hates America. You've heard about them. They've been on the news. They show up at the funerals of American service women and men, celebrating their deaths and announcing that this is the judgment of God. And I could get a little passionate about this when I tell you that nothing could be further than the Christian or from the Christian gospel than this stuff. God loves every human being on this planet, whatever their background, sexuality, ethnicity, 
That doesn't guarantee their response to him, but God loves every single one of them. You can say amen or something like that. And so we, we recognize that we don't always get this right. So what is the mission of God? What is the mission of God? Why don't you, why don't you say these familiar words with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Stop right there because in those first two sentences of the prayer that we know as the Lord's Prayer, you have the mission of God summarized. That God wants every person on this planet to know that he is not only creator but also father. And that his will, his way, his purposes should be fulfilled in the earth. And that is big, my brothers and sisters. The mission of God It's not only about issuing tickets to an eternity, it's about the here and now. And it affects the way we do our politics, our economics, our approach to the environment. God has got opinions that are not just opinions, they are commands, and he wants to be known and he wants his ways to be known too. So where do we fit in with all of this? Let's let's follow along in the bulletin. The first thing is, that the mission of God is for fragile followers. The mission of God is for fragile followers. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I'm so thrilled to read that. Uh, Is anyone like me, uh, you occasionally struggle with doubts? Does anyone ever struggle with with doubts? You know, you're, you're halfway through the worship service and you think, I hope there's a God. Because I could be skiing if there's not. Um, maybe this doesn't happen to you, and if it doesn't, I'm very happy for you. But I was, I was, I was preaching at a, a at a conference because sometimes doubt can it doesn't call ahead, it doesn't send an email, and it can hit the pre. I was just about to preach to quite a few people, and I, I they was just introducing me, and I suddenly thought, oh, there's a God. Some of you are looking horrified at me, and I. And I walked up to the poor bit, I said, good evening everybody, I've just been wondering if there's a God. And they looked at me like I had some terrible disease. But look at this, Jesus was standing right there in front of them, in his resurrection glory, and they worshipped and they doubted. And he's right there, that cheers me up. The same word, distazo, that is used to describe Peter's doubt when he walked on water and then sank. It's, it's uncertainty. I just want to, before we go any further with this mission stuff, I just want to say count yourself in. They worshipped and they doubted and these were the planet changers. God only uses ordinary people, nothing else is available. It's true. Count yourself in. This is a call for fragile followers. Secondly, secondly, this is God's mission and it is not our mission. It is God's mission, not ours. Look at verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's interesting 
Because Matthew's gospel, one of the consistent themes of it, is authority. But notice, before Jesus commissions his disciples, he comforts them with the news that all authority is his. They're not just a a bunch of guys going out on a sales project. They are empowered. They are accompanied. Authority is his. And the mission is his. The church gets into trouble when she tries to take over the mission. Our role is not to to figure out the mission. Our role is to be available to what God is doing in the earth. Graham Tomlin has said the priority for the church is neither evangelism nor social action. It is to live under the lordship of Christ. In other words, the central thing is not a human task, but a divine action. It is not our work of spreading the gospel or changing society, but it is the new reality brought into being by the coming of Christ. In other words, what we're supposed to do is say to the missionary God, what are you doing and where do I fit? Of course, that requires availability. It requires a sense of responsibility. In 1959, Khrushchev... um, took over from Stalin in Russia and began his leadership by uh, giving a, a searing speech denouncing Stalin for the millions of murders that took place under his leadership. He then came to America and he spoke to a crowded national press club and people were hoping that he would give the same speech and he gave a truncated version of it. He said basically the same thing. And at the end of the speech, someone in the crowd of reporters spoke up and said, Mr. Khrushchev, you've just listed Stalin's terrible inhumanities, but you were his right-hand man. So what were you doing when all this stuff was going on? And Khrushchev glared at the crowd and he said, who said that? And no one answered. And so with a little more menace in his voice, he said, who said that? And everyone just stared down at their shoes, uncomfortable. And he said, when Stalin was doing what he was doing, I was doing what you're doing now. You see, my brothers and sisters, the mission of God, he wants us to not just shuffle uncomfortably and look down at our shoes. Are we actively available to what his purposes are through our lives? The third thing is that the mission of God is both shocking and surprising. The mission of God is shocking and surprising. Look at verse 19 again, please. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All nations. A couple of years ago, Kay and I went to Malta. Uh, We were vacationing there. And uh, we came across this cathedral. And we really didn't want to do the tourist thing because in England, you know, we've got cathedrals. Okay? And are you interested in castles? Come to England. We're castles or us. We got, we got. (laughs) So we didn't want to do the tourist thing, but we saw that there was a service going on. So we thought it would be nice to worship with, with Maltese brothers and sisters. So we went up to the entrance of the cathedral and there's a kind of attack greeter at the door. Looking kind of mean. And he, as we walked up, I, you know, I, I said, hi. And he said, no tourists. 
I said, you know what, you know, we're not tourists. Well, we are tourists, but we're not here to do that. We wanted to come and worship. He said, no, you're not worshippers, you're tourists. I'm thinking, we need you on the Timberline greeting team, pal. You know. I mean, I just, I, had to, I just about had to break his face to get into the service. So we go in, we sit down, they wouldn't give us a hymn book. So I'm sitting there, I'm getting, you know me, I'm getting a little perturbed about this. We felt completely excluded. In Jesus' time, religious people were really good at excluding people. When they said that Jesus was eating with sinners, they weren't just saying bad people. There was a whole underclass of untouchables who, because of their ethnic background or their trade, they were considered to be undesirable. They were called the Amharats. And they, they were excluded. Let me show you what that felt like. Everybody, let's do a little bit of participation in the sermon right now. If you're able, please stand with me right now. The sermon is not done. Don't get too encouraged. But let's just... <laughs> All right, let, let me just show you what this felt like. Uh, uh, hi, welcome. My name is Jeff. Welcome to the Pharisee Convention. Uh, uh, most of you are welcome here, um, except a few of you. Uh, if you're a ha- Any hairdressers here? Anyone who works in the... Uh, sit down, please, because you're not welcome. <laughs> sit down. Any ha- hairdress- we are not having hairdressers at the Pharisees' convention. That's a sinner trade. Any leather workers here? Okay. Any people who are involved in working in finance, banking, finance? I, I know you're out there. You sit down right now, please. <laughs> uh, sit down. That's it. All right. We've got to get this thing straightened out. Anyone involved in healthcare? You're a physician, nurse. Anyone in, in healthcare? You sit down. And you folks who are standing, you're welcome and you feel free to glare with narrow eyes at these people <laughs> who are sitting down right now. Okay, that's a, any shepherds here? Any shepherds? Okay, a bit short on shepherds. Any, let's, let's widen the exclusion. Farmers, ranchers, anyone like that. You sit down right now. You think you're doing coming here. Any tax collectors? You better sit down quick if you're a tax collector. Uh, any laundry workers or people involved in waste disposal? Would you please sit down? Okay. Now, you who are standing, bless your hearts, you're feeling pretty good. Like, wow, okay. There's another category. Uh, if you are a Gentile, if you're not from a Jewish background, would you sit down right now, please? Oh. Oh, dear. I was going to say everybody else is welcome, but no one else is standing, so... Now, that was fun, wasn't it? Now, I hope you get the point of that. Don't go out of here, honey, and say, they don't like hairdressers at Timberline. (laughs) The point is that exclusion was the order of the day. And then Jesus came, and the first people who got the news of the message were women who were not legally enfranchised to witness in a court. Oh, something's up here, something's different. The outsiders are the insiders. And who is it that gets the news uh, from the angels? It's the shepherds who were considered to be uh, one of those sinner trades that were so excluded. But the challenge is that even as we see Jesus hanging out with demoniacs and, and adulterers and prostitutes and those who were stigmatized because of their disabilities, we can so easily slip back into excluding. Even the makeup of the team that Jesus had shows his inclusivity. As Matthew the tax collector serves alongside Simon the zealot, who under normal circumstances 
would want to plant a dagger in the other guy's back. And he didn't just preach at them. He sat down at tables with them. He touched untouchables with love and washed the guilty clean, says the communion service in the Anglican church. Folks, we're not just about us. We're about everyone. But we can be slow to get this. When Jesus was born, Simeon caught a glimpse of the bigness of the vision, the mission. Listen to these words, Luke 2. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Fifty-three years later... It's Acts 15, and the church is saying, uh, some Gentiles are being saved. Is, is that okay? Simeon prophesied it. In the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 20 years before Acts 15, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. But it took 50 years for the church to get that we're not about us, we're about everyone. And I discover in my own life, sometimes I keep thinking that God is just at work in the church when actually God's at work in the world. Something weird happened to me a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, it's unusually weird. In fact, it's so weird. We, we, we're on the internet, we're on TV, so as of this next moment, we are going to go off from that recording. Welcome back, those of you who are probably wondering what it is that you missed. Well, I, dressed in a green, green leotard, shared a prophetic dance across this platform. It was so powerful, we felt unable to broadcast it. Fourthly. Fourthly. The mission of God involves living, telling and teaching. It involves living, telling, and teaching. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Notice two things. First of all, God wants us to make disciples, not just create converts. I've been reading Mark Buchanan this week. If you ever bump into his stuff, buy it. He's a brilliant and beautiful writer. He says we need a new word. We talk about atheists, people who don't believe in God, theists, people who do believe in God. He said we need a new word, apatheists. Apatheists are people who believe in God, but they're apathetic about it, and it doesn't make any difference to the way they do life. God doesn't want us just to make apatheistic converts. He wants disciples. And he wants us not just to grab our neighbor and tell, us, tell them the good news, although I want to make it absolutely clear Evangelism involves telling. But the primary pattern for evangelism in the New Testament is living and then explaining. That's the primary pattern. So that you live a life and then, as 1 Peter 3 says, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And then it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who, gives, who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Sometimes the church has been guilty at yelling the answers when no one's even asked a question. And yes, of course, don't misunderstand, there are those moments when we are given opportunities with people that don't know us to whisper and share the gospel with them. Of course that's true. But the primary way this works is that we live a life that demands an explanation and involves living 
and telling as well. Without actions, no one listens. Without words, no one understands, says Graham Tomlin. Well, the last thing I want to talk about uh, before we pray together is that this is the biggest mission. It is the biggest mission that there has ever been. The greatest, the biggest mission there's ever been because it's about forever. Verse 20, Jesus said, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Let me make a theological statement and then a, a pastoral one. The election of Israel, the choice of Israel, spoke of their missional responsibilities. And the eschatology of Israel spoke of the beautiful day to come. When we realize that this thing is not going to finish when we die, but it's about forever. There have been three people who have gone home to be with the Lord in the Timberline family. There have been others. The three people have made a personal impact upon me. And they've gone home to be with Jesus in recent weeks. Lovely Carol, who always used to sit right over there. And was so consistently delightful and encouraging. Had such an infectious laugh. And then dear Isla, dear Isla, who made an impact on me because when my mum came to Timberline and was a bit overwhelmed by the crowds, Isla took her in hand and they, they stood out in the foyer and engaged in some naughty old lady talk together. <laughs> and then Kathy, dear Kathy, who together with Doug here today who impacted me because of opening their home to college kids and sharing meals and uh, sacrificing because of care. The wonderful thing that is true about this gospel is that when we think about Carol and Isla and, and Kathy, it isn't goodbye. It is not goodbye. It is good night. We'll see you in the morning. Amen. This is the good news. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Carol will be there on that morning. And Isla will be there. And Kathy will be there, Duck. Because it's not goodbye. It's see you in the morning. 
And that's why this mission thing matters so much. And that's why we're going to do something a little different right now. Because instead of a a prayerful response to this, which is fine, I'm going to ask that we pray together this morning in groups because there's a lot of stuff that is going on in our world right now. As we think about, about Libya and battles that are going on in Libya right now, in, as we see the ripple going around the world in what is surely the greatest political and social revolution since the fall of the Berlin Wall. As we think about the Yemen and the contagion and the overspill and the hunger that there is for freedom. As we think about the, the, the difficult transition that will be taking place in Egypt. And as we are perhaps surprised by the revolution in Iran, people out in the streets by the thousands. But it's not just about political revolution. I'm thinking about Pastor Clinton and Jan who lead the Elam Cathedral of Hope in Christchurch, New Zealand. I emailed them yesterday to say that members of your, American members of your family are going to be praying for you today as they gather together in Christchurch today and they huddle together for warmth and they cry. Our prayers matter. So let me tell you what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn around in groups or stand up. I want some holy chaos in the house. In the south as well. Can I just say to you, no one has to do anything. Especially if you're a guest with us. Or for whatever reason, if you would rather just sit and quietly pray, you can do that. You don't have to do anything. But I want to invite you, if you'd like to, to get together in groups and just take a couple of minutes. Maybe one or two of you will lead in prayer. And guess, if you're not sure what to do in this context and you want to be part of a group, just go into the group and stand there and close your eyes. It works for me a lot. So just, you know, feel free to do that. But we are going to take some moments to pray. This is not the end of the service. And so whatever you do, I want to ask you to respect this. This is not a moment to get out of the parking lot early. This is a moment for us to take this seriously and pray. So let's do it. Let's stand if we're able. Let's turn around, uh, get together and a couple of minutes to pray for our world. Let's go ahead. Let's do it.
So Lord, thank you for the murmur of voices across these two auditoriums as we join our hearts together to pray for a broken world. And as we stand, as we sit, as we join together, as we reflect, we want to be part of your mission. We want to not just look down at our shoes. We offer ourselves to you. We pray for our world where there is political upheaval, where there is fear and terror. We pray for transitions that will not just lead to new oppressors. We pray for freedom, for grace. We pray for our brothers and sisters in New Zealand, indeed for that whole nation. We pray for the Christian community in Christ Church, that they might be truly a beacon of hope to every soul that weeps. And as they gather together today, may they know strength. As people navigate their way through uncertainty, we pray that you will kiss them with your grace and strengthen their hearts. So thank you. We agree together for your world where everyone is known by you and loved by you. May many, even through the turbulence, come to know you personally. We agree in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Yes, Lord. So here's the news. There is a God. He's alive. And he knows elderly actresses in Britain. He knows their names. He knows their beginning and their end. And he knows you. He knows your story. He loves you. If you don't know him, our prayer team are going to be here in a few minutes. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But go in this knowledge. That there is a God who is the God of the whole earth. And we're invited into his purposes. God bless you. I dare you to go to the restaurant and order enchiladas. <laughs> Say hi to a few people before you leave. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Great to see you.